Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Celtic Stuff Live. Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on CLNS Radio, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for Boston sports. I'm your host, Justin Poulin. You can follow me on Twitter at CSL underscore Justin. Joining me, John Duke. You can follow him at CSL underscore Duke. The entire CLNS Radio network at CLNS Radio. And follow us as a show on Twitter at CSL underscore Tweet live. Okay, John, so you weren't here last week. Patrick Gilroy filled in. We made some predictions, and they were of the variety that this was the week that the Celtics could really push themselves up. Remember, after the win against Charlotte on Monday, they were on pace for 52 wins. Not very far off of our mark of, I think you said 54, I said 55, something along those lines with the summer forecast with Chris Forsberg at ESPN Boston. And then since then, they've laid a couple of two major stinker goose eggs against the New York Knicks and the Portland Trailblazers games that they absolutely should not have lost. And I thought, hey, 52 wins, rough start to the season. I think we're going to hit that 55. And now here we are with a rough start to the second half of the season, John. It's not, not encouraging, but, but I think that there are, there are some sides for positivity. You know, I think we were going back to that kind of mid December malaise that we were in a bit. I felt like there was a question of, you know, does this team have another gear? Can they get to a higher level? And I think we have seen admittedly against not against some not so great competition. They were able to, I think, show that here in the early part of January until until recently. But the the big question is, and I think it it remains the unanswered question, is when will the Celtics defend anywhere near in a in a way like we expected them to? That's the I think that's the question that you and me and all of us are kind of sitting back and waiting for. The offense is great. They can score a whole bunch of points, you know, and that's that's a wonderful thing. It, it's certainly a, an unexpected surprise. But when will they start to defend? I'm, forget top five. If they're in the top half, top ten. I would I would feel a lot better about about this team's chances going into the playoffs. I just don't feel great about it right now. And I could they win a series? Yeah. But can they give, you know, can they really give a fright into Toronto if they get there in the second round? I don't think so. 
No, and the rebounding is atrocious, although both of those topics just well worn for this team to this on the season so far to date is rebounding and defense. And, you know, we've talked a lot about Kelly Olynyk, and he didn't have a great game against the New York Knicks. And keep in mind that loss without Porzingis on the floor, which also makes right. it a very bitter pill to swallow. But you talk about Kelly Olynyk; He's finally kind of hitting his groove. Again, not a great game. But he's one of the top rebounders on the team all of a sudden. Yikes. And that, that is really <laughs> telling. And we already know he's one of the better defenders, especially in the front court statistically going back to last year. And really he hasn't had a full healthy season. And yet here we are talking about him being one of the better front court defenders and rebounders. And that really is a statement. Not, not, not disparaging Kelly O'Linick's ability because a lot of that has to do with not as explosive athleticism, but just his, you know, intelligence for the game. But these guys, effort on defense, effort on rebounding, it's the same problem exhibiting itself in two areas of the game that, as you mentioned, if you can't rebound and defend in the postseason, it's night in the first round yet again this yeah. year. That's right. I mean, you look at last year, the, the fatal flaw of this team really going into it last year was, was three point shooting. Now they fixed that, but, but not far behind. Number one was the fact that they had almost zero influence from anyone at the four and five positions, almost zero. And so you brought in Al Horford and I think he's done a lot of good things. I think he's helped your shooting. I think he's helped your spacing. I think he's helped your offense immensely. I think defensively, he's been a very good player, but but next to him, we still have a, a vacuous hole there that that is leaving us without someone who can get a board. And you know, we shouldn't be looking to guards all the time to do those to, to to come back. We need we need our forwards. We need guys like Crowder to step up. We need we need guys like Amir Johnson, who's I think fell off a bit after some really a few several good weeks there uh, at, the, at the start of the not the season but start of uh, the year. You know, in January, late December and early January, they need that second third guy. And Kelly, he can do what he can. But we need people to gobble up those boards because those those extra possessions, it's taxing your defense, and on and on and on we go. And right now, I mean, we got a team right now that's 21st in defensive rating. 21st. This is a team we thought could challenge for top one, two in the league in defense. This is, this yeah, is not good. That was a major offseason topic for you and I, and they're getting yeah. eaten alive by – Bigger players like Myers Leonard? What? Yep. I know. <laughs> it's just know, nuts. Right? We know that the guard tandems like you see with CJ McCollum and Dame Lillard are going to give them fits just the same way we see time and time again with the Toronto Raptors. And one of the problems is, again, you talk about rebounding, but boy, wouldn't it be awesome to have a shot-blocking presence to help cover up when they do get by that perimeter defense, because it's that dogged perimeter defense that has made the Celtics awesome. And we want to talk about injuries because it always comes up with this team. And really, we're struggling yet again with Avery Bradley. And he's got this Achilles thing. Boy, they could have used him against the Portland Trailblazers. And uh, they're not only going to need another. And you know what's crazy is they're also going to need another scoring option. And while that's the least of our worries, the truth is is there's probably two major needs that need that have to be addressed 
if they're really going to hit it in the postseason. And one is that defensive shot blocking slash rebounding presence at the center. And then they still need who's going to be the second scorer with Isaiah Thomas. It's Those are two, even though I think they'll establish themselves as the third best team in the Eastern Conference, those are two yeah. glaring weaknesses that are not going to be addressed without making a move at the deadline. No, and you're right. And, and unfortunately, I don't think you're going to get those two issues solved with one with one player. You know, I don't think that there's a player out there that does both of those things because if if they do, then that means either they're committing long money long term or they are uh, putting themselves in a position where uh, they use up a lot of assets for something that I think is a probably a short term need. So it's you know, and I'm looking at a guy like Paul Millsap in that regard. You know, I I don't think right now. It, I think this. They're going to have to find a way to make it work with the the secondary score. I think they can too. I think, I think that this, I mean, it's like the whole starting off the game hot and then really not being able to adjust the rest of the game. And we've seen that a lot a lot this year, where they'll score really really well in the first quarter, and then they'll kind of slowly erode. As the game goes along, I kind of feel like that's the same situation psychologically with Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas has has just been a rock for these guys in the fourth quarter. Do it all almost, but the problem is eventually you can't do it all. You know, I mean, there's a reason why those things are unsustainable over a long stretch. And I, I'm not saying that as as a slight to Isaiah as much as from a team concept, they have to find a way to get other guys going. And I thought you know the shot to get. Uh, Terry Rozier, you know, that big three, you know, against the, the Trailblazers was another opportunity where, you know, the Celtics are saying, look, we got to, and Brad Stevens in particular, look, we got to, we got to start to have other people make those shots. That's the only way our team is going to be effective. We, we know what we have with Isaiah Thomas. He should be starting the all-star game. He's not, but, but we know what we have there. We need to make our other guys have that same, you know, have that same ability or have some ability, I should say, to finish when it matters most. Yeah. All right. We're going to pause for station identification real quick here. Uh, follow CLNS radio on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash CLNS fans. Download the CLNS radio app for iOS and Android. All you have to do is search CLNS radio in your app marketplace. And don't forget the YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash CLNS radio for high definition, full length locker room interviews and the garden report with Jared Weiss. Zip Recruiter, one of our newest sponsors. It's the new year, which means a fresh start for your business and a great year starts with making great hires. But posting your job in one place isn't enough to find quality candidates. If you want to find the perfect hire, you need to post your job on all of the top job sites, and now you can. With ZipRecruiter, you can jumpstart your hiring for 2017. Post your job to 200-plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click. You find candidates in any city or industry nationwide. Just post once and watch the qualified candidates roll in to ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. No juggling emails or calls to the office. Just quickly screen the candidates, rate them, and hire the right person first. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by over 1 million businesses. And right now, 
Listeners of Celtic Stuff Live can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com forward slash sportsfan. That's ZipRecruiter.com forward slash sportsfan. One more time, just to try it out for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com forward slash sportsfan. All right, John. So let's leap off of the Isaiah Thomas conversation that you started you sort of initiated there. One, he's not going to be an all-starter this year. And I know everybody thinks DeMar DeRozan deserves it, and I certainly agree. The big debate around Kyrie Irving, and it ties very much to the conversation where there is no second scorer on the Celtics that would open things up even more for Isaiah the way LeBron does for Kyrie. Who wouldn't trade for Clay Thompson? I know it probably was not a realistic trade, but who wouldn't <laughs> trade Bradley and Crowder and some picks for Clay Thompson right now? I certainly would. Uh, and again, I know that was early season sort of rumblings and probably way off the mark, but something to definitely think about. The snub. I don't really care about these awards. Even we look at Rookie of the Year. I had a little bit of a, a debate on Twitter back and forth with John Corrales from Red's Army. I was actually on his side, but uh, like we would like to refer to him, Jam Packard, uh, saying that he doesn't <laughs> see why Joel Embiid wouldn't be considered. My problem is, and I've always had a problem, guys who play professionally overseas end up qualifying for these awards even though they're not nearly in the same place in their career as somebody who's just coming out of college. The way I would like to see the ruling is that Rookie of the Year is the first year removed from declaring for the NBA draft, period, the end. And it would be unfortunate for Joel Embiid, but I will submit to you for the uh, record and the argument and the debate the difference between Julius Randle for the Lakers played 13 minutes in his rookie year and then comes back the next season and is not eligible. And Arvidas Sabonis, who had a champion caliber, MVP caliber career overseas before coming in and came in second, I believe, in the rookie voting. And I, I want to say he was right around almost 30 years old when that happened. Versus somebody like Joel Embiid, it would be unfortunate, and he's really the only candidate for rookie of the the year this season. But having missed two years with playing no minutes at all, winds up getting the ability to qualify for rookie of the year. But I still think he's at a different place than maybe somebody like Jalen Brown. So when we look at these awards, I don't get real hung up on them, but I wanted to throw it back to you. That's kind of my thoughts. Maybe some sound off on rookie of the year qualifying and then also the snub for Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, I, I think you're I, – I followed a little bit of that, and I didn't weigh in because I agreed with both of you as well. <laughs> it doesn't make for great podcasting, but what the hell? If you're listening already, you're not going to jump ahead. Um, <laughs> the, the, I, I think you're right. I mean it's, it, seemed, it just seems ill-fitting. You know, I think by the letter of the law, you know, it just doesn't make sense – or it makes sense to allow uh, Joel Embiid to, to be there, but – I think, you know, should that be what the award's about? You know, I, it, there's nothing wrong with saying most improved player. You know, I mean, you need to, rec- I think, recognizing what and all star most likely. Sure, yeah. I mean, I want to, res- I want to honor what what Embiid is doing and and give him respect for that. But rookie of the year just feels ill fitting when. He's been trust. We've been trusting the process apparently for two years, and now we see what he does. 
you know, in that time, I mean, Marcus Smart has has played, you know, a lot of basketball games. He's drafted two spots after him, or three spots after him, and and you know, are those two guys the same? Well, no, you know, but it's just it's it's a weird fit to me. Um, and you mentioned, you know, Sabonis, uh, the most recent, uh, I sp- I suppose, comparison was. Uh, uh, Nikola Miritich, when he came over and he was in the running to be rookie of the year the same year that they ended up giving it to Michael Carter-Williams. Now, Michael Carter-Williams is no great player by any stretch. Neither was Miritich for that matter. But, you know, do you give it to a guy who's played professionally somewhere else? I mean, I, I don't know. I just, to me, there's a difference there. I think there's a there's a significant difference there. Um, jumping to the Isaiah thing, it's a snub. Uh does but it's the fans' it? fault, and does that mean that That's we right. then put that on, you know, look at the Celtics' footprint across the world? I mean, is there right. any bigger brand that has sustained time and time again? I know the Lakers are in the argument. Yep. Golden State yep. may may be a situation situationally in that argument just because of their dominance right now. Cleveland, but... Other than the Lakers, no other storied franchise has such a broad reach. And for 40,000 votes worldwide to separate Isaiah Thomas from DeMar DeRozan, not that I would want DeRozan to get the snub, but look, the players and the media got it right. And nobody else amongst those three had a one and two from the players and the media. Irving and DeRozan, either one of them wound up with a three, but... The media and the players put either Isaiah Thomas one or two in their rankings. It was the fans who ranked him fourth. So not even third, but fourth that wound up having him lose out on the tiebreaker to DeRozan. What happened there? Did we all just kind of take it for granted? Or I, I could tell you I should have probably voted more because Isaiah deserves the cred. I don't I don't think it's that. I, I think it's we've, we've come to a point now where – you know, it's almost a, it's a joke. I mean, Zaza Pachulia is almost elected, you know, voted in and, uh, last year when he was with the Mavs, he had a good year, but you know, it, it was a joke. And, and that's what the MVP or not the MVP, the all-star voting has become. It's, it's not about who's the best player. It's not even about sometimes who's most deserving. It's who has which brand, which team or which, which name has the better, better global reach. Kyrie Irving by no means should be the number one vote getter at the guard position in the East, but he's got his own shoe. He's known all over the world. He plays on LeBron's team. And so he's going to get a billion votes or whatever it is. Not really. But that that's just going to put him further ahead. I mean, if he was properly ranked by the fans, it's we're not even having this conversation because then it's really much more about DeMar DeRozan and, and Isaiah and, and maybe Kyle Lowry, depending on how, where you view him. I, I just think that that's the issue is that, you know, the fans are idiots, you know, sorry, we are collectively, you know, as a, as an NBA fandom, we're not very smart about these things. All right. So if it I mean, comes and, down... and then you have Russell, but then you have Russell Westbrook. I mean, you can't Atrocious. be that upset about Isaiah Thomas and see Russell freaking Westbrook is on the outside. I mean, that's nuts. That's, that's, that's disrespectful. You know, if anything, I mean, you know, and Hey, Steph Curry's a great player, but there's no question. He's not. Come on. He averaged starting... triple double. The man is averaging a triple-double with his sidekick 
not in town any longer. And yeah, they're not at the top of the Western Conference in terms of record, but very respectable. They're always pushing towards double digits up in the win column. And you've got to give it, you've got to, you're right. The snub for Westbrook is worse than Thomas. But how about this for a little hot take? And I don't know if it's already been put out there. But knowing that marketing is the biggest piece of this fan vote, because that's really what it comes down to, right, is marketing. When it comes time to bring out the Brinks truck, do you think there'll be a little bit of uh, concern from Isaiah Thomas's camp that maybe the Celtics could have marketed him a little bit more strongly to help him get that all-star vote? Jeez, I don't know. I, I feel like the Celtics have done as much as – I'm not criticizing them, just so you know. I'm saying perception versus reality. Yeah, no, I I mean, I feel like right now, I feel like he he is understanding and appreciative of of what the team has done and where they have put him in their, um, you know, I guess their marketing efforts and their, I mean, he's he's the guy. You know, I I don't think there's any sort of slight, there could be any sort of perceived slight out of those things. Um, you know, you look at what, I mean, is there any other team? That's the thing is like, I don't feel like the reason why he wasn't higher voted, wasn't more highly voted was because of anything an individual team could have done. It's, I think it's, it's global forces. It's, 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 uh, it's Nike. It's, you know, I mean, I was it, just going to say, it's more likely the shoe yeah. company. I, 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 yeah. I know it's kind of a fringe kind of hot take debate but there there could be something to it but you're right he is a, a boston new england darling undersized underappreciated incredible you know perceived overachiever i'll put it that way uh he's obviously earned everything he's gotten and more but at the same time it bears noting and i think i think it will come down more to the shoe companies because they're really the marketeers yeah and and this is a global vote you know and I think, you know, maybe we don't truly, I don't feel like I have a true good picture of the influence that the NBA and the shoe companies have in places like China. I mean, remember when Yao Ming, I mean, that, this is 10 plus years ago, the votes that he would get were just phenomenal. There's no Yao Ming, you know, kind of one local guy, but the influence, I think, of the NBA in China and it being a global game, I think particularly we see it with these these all-star votes is that that's why it's maybe we don't they don't seem to be in touch uh i understand voting for kobe bryant and all that with from a historical sense um but at the same point it does seem like that was like two or three years gone past and you see that sometimes with play, you know fans voting from overseas who don't you know, maybe have the same picture of, of where the teams are, where the players are, as we do maybe here in the States. All right, as we hit the mid-show break, I'm just going to let everybody know when we come back, we're going to talk about Carmelo Anthony. As this, at first it's saying, he's saying, no, I don't want to go anywhere, no, I don't want to go anywhere. As they continue to pepper him with these questions, game in and game out, Carmelo has softened somewhat and said, okay, well, yeah, if they're going to blow this thing up and they're not committed to trying to get it done, then we are, then yeah, of course I have to take a look at it. Can't imagine him going to Boston. I know it's a topic that Patrick Gilroy, 
who filled in for you last week admirably, John, wanted to touch base on, and we never got a chance <laughs> to get to it. So I think you and I, coming back from the mid-show break, will talk a little bit about that. Blue Apron, I'm going to tell you about this first. We're going to take this break, but Blue Apron's mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everybody. And they know that when you cook with incredible ingredients, you make incredible meals. So they're setting high quality standards for their community of artisanal suppliers, family-run farms, fisheries, and ranchers. And this is where I just love it. You don't have to take the time to go out and shop for the ingredients. Everything's pre-portioned. It makes cooking the meal much more quickly. Uh, much more quick, and it's less than $10 a meal, so it's way less expensive than going out to eat. They're going to deliver seasonal recipes. You won't get the same recipe, the same recipe within a 12-month period, and they're always making little tweaks to the recipe cards. They make delicious home-cooked meals. You can do it. Cooking together builds strong family bonds, and those who spend a lot of time eating out or at the high-end grocery chains well, guess what? You can now save a ton of money, spend less than $10 per person. Calories are listed right on there. I guarantee you that you can cook it well enough to make it look exactly like it is on the recipe card. John, you know I'm not a great cook, but I absolutely love my Blue Apron meals. Upcoming, spicy shrimp with Korean rice cakes and cabbage, pork chops and garlic piccata with scallion rice and spinach. And then another one, mushroom and chipotle pepper enchiladas with lime sour cream. So check out this week's menu and get your first three meals for free with free shipping. It doesn't get better than that. Your first three meals for free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com forward slash Celtics. You will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. That's blueapron.com forward slash Celtics. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. We'll be right back after this word from audible.com. All right, we're back from the break, John, and we wanted to talk a little bit about... Uh, Carmelo Anthony and his status with the New York Knicks. Uh, I'll let you kind of tease this one up because I know it's been on your mind and you didn't even get a chance to gloss over it last week since you were enjoying yourself down in the land of Disney. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah, it was uh, beautiful weather down there. Missed the show, but... It was, uh, I'm, I'm sitting there on the monorail watching, uh, Isaiah do his thing against the Hawks. Uh, uh, shout out to the NBC Sports app for providing me, uh, Mike and Scal, uh, from a thousand, fifteen hundred miles away. So, uh, shout out to the NBC Sports app for that one. Um, yeah, so, um, this stuff, by this the way, stuff is, I gotta yeah, jump in on that. Lucky you. Fire. For being in New England and being able to access the NBC mobile app because League <laughs> Pass, I'm just, listen, if I have an opportunity, I'm going to take it. Yeah. League Pass is horrendous. It's with a new provider and yeah. they've really botched this thing. I can't tell you how many times that I can't watch the game live and then I'm going to pick it up afterwards. And it keeps telling me that the game, the condensed version and the full live version should be available shortly. And then I look at that message for three, four days and I miss out on the game. What am I paying for? I, I am so frustrated (laughs) and I wish I could purchase the coverage directly from Comcast Sportsnet. 
I'm sure there's a way to set up some sort of proxy server. Yeah, like a dummy account. Point it all the way through and make it, you know, and make it think your your phone or whatever think that it's connecting in New England. Not that we'd we'd advocate for that in any way, but uh, you know, to get around these stupid rules and and terrible technology that the NBA seems to employ, it's you know, I it's crazy that this is a multi, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars business. And they can't figure out how to create a streaming app. I, I just, you know, th- there's some guys at Netflix and uh, YouTube and who know how to do this. Why is this such a challenge? I, it really is, it boggles the mind how they haven't figured this out yet. They've been offering this product for a long time. I mean, the bugs, there shouldn't be bugs at this point, you know? It's not that challenging. It's streaming, you know? You log in, you play the file, that's it, you know? I mean, come on. Why is this so hard? I don't even have it, and I'm mad about it. Yeah, you should be. <laughs> God forbid you ever move out of New England and have to try to keep up on Never. this. I even think I the can't. benefits to the people well, that are overseas on on the on League Pass yeah. actually it works better for them. And it's so frustrating, you know, being a relocated New Englander and having to struggle with yeah. this. Uh, you know, I've already talked about the commercials and whatnot. And the way that you really can't navigate the timestamp in the game very well, but it's frustrating when I can't even watch it and I've paid to be able to see it. Yeah, that's insane. That's just that's just wrong. You know? It's totally wrong. So right. let's talk is. about Carmelo. I've I've had so, my complaint. There's yes. my soapbox. I'll wait another month and a half before I uh, before I light it up. The great thing about the postseason is I don't have to deal with it. <laughs> that's true. Although it means no basketball, so that's a sad. That's a sad time, you know. Well, it's like it's, I guess it depends on how good the team the, is. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, let's hope this is a problem you have for a little while. You know, it's, <laughs> but I guess in the playoffs, everything's on national TV anyway, right? So uh, we're pretty close too. Um, but so, so that yeah, that's good. So let's talk about Melo. Let's talk about Melo. Um, so as you know, we all know this. There's, there's been this. Uh, you know, weirdness going on in New York. I mean, obviously, they don't know what they're doing over there. Phil Jackson's obviously, I think, way over his head what's going on. I, I think he thought he could be Red Hour back and come to find out he's he's not, he's, he, he's barely even <laughs> a Red Skelton when it comes to running a team. So that's one for all the older demo listen to the show anyway so what we're doing right now <laughs> does this Mello, actually though you know what let's ask that question real quick yeah does this immediately take him out of the red hour back conversation because how many people wanted to put them you know fairly close together and does sort of this you know end of the career yeah. sort of not getting it done in new york wind up putting him that drop tier, no question about it, even for the people. I mean, obviously for Celtics fans, you know, we've always felt that way, but will it, will it for the, the individuals who wanted to put him on the same level? I think so. I think, I think, I think for the modern, because what you always do is you try to put the modern day hero, the modern day, you know, star of the moment and put them in that conversation with comparing to the, to the past. And I think, for a lot of people, regardless of how many championships he's won, I think a lot of them now are looking at, at Popovich and saying, well, you know, he's really the architect of those teams. You know, you, you look at... I'm much at more the, amenable to that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean... Because before and after salary cap, he sustained it. 
That's right, and he's done it with multiple versions of that team. Yes, he's had Tim Duncan, and yes, he's had uh, you know David Robinson to walk walking in the door. He walked in with David Robinson, but you know Phil did not put together his teams. Phil, you know, took the team the players that Jerry Krause gave him. Krause had already gotten Horace Grant, Pippen, and and Jordan. You know, when when Phil walks in the door, so. Putting those guys together hadn't really worked, but you know they were a pretty decent team. Now you go to L.A. Shaq was already there, Kobe was already there, you know. So it's it wasn't like Phil really even was there from 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 the jump. So I feel like you can't put them in the same the same sentence in terms of pop. At least there's a little bit more similarity. Um, I think it does take it. I think the failures he's had in New York. People will point to the owner, point to Dolan, and say, "Well, that's why, because the owner is is a nut job, and he is." But if if Phil's as good as what he thinks he is, and that's really the problem, is Phil thinks he's he's so special that he'd be able to get through that. And he's given uh, a top twenty All Star, top twenty player in the league. Even now, I'd say he's a top twenty player, and. You've got and you and you lucked into this guy Kristaps Porzingis, and yet you still haven't found a way to really create a team that can do anything. Maybe even make the playoffs. Maybe even make not the, maybe they, may, they may not even make the playoffs. You know that seems pretty likely. So you know the idea of a dream team is gone. You know, and so now they're left to say, well, now things are falling apart. What do we do with Melo? And you know, I think he's probably getting tired of. Of where he where he is, and maybe he's starting to understand that you know being the guy in New York on a losing team isn't all it's cracked up to be, and I think that's why he would seriously consider looking to move in a reasonable, for, you know, in a reasonable deal to a place of his choosing, you know, or his you know he'll probably create a small list of teams he'd be willing to go to, and, and I don't know if Boston is in that mix. But we're close enough to New York where some of the benefits of New York are kind of able to be there. Would, there's one question. Would Mello want to come to Boston? And then the other question is, does Boston want Mello to come to them? And that one is the one I'm a little bit more unsure of. Certainly, if we know how Mike Gorman feels about Mello, we've known that for many. <laughs> going back to and, his, and, his Denver uh, days. Right, not only Mello, but also uh... – you know, our buddy DeMarcus, DeMarcus Cousins. Cousins. So, yeah. you know, there are some guys on his list. He loves the chemistry. He loves the culture. You know, if you're going to travel with the team, I can't blame him whatsoever. It's probably a little less of an issue for, you know, the general fan base if they think that, you know, they just want to want to get a championship. I'm Listen, anybody's on the table under the right circumstances and the right deal. I think not only does Danny feel that way, but... I think every time trade rumors start floating out there, even for the fan base, it's kind of like, okay, well, am I interested in Noel? Of course I am. Uh, I think Nearland's Noel would be at least the rebounder and the shot blocker we're looking for. Certainly not the secondary scorer, but again, what for what? You know, restricted free agent impacts the cap space in the offseason. You know, nobody better than Ryan Bernadoni, who which was, who was a guest on Bobby Manning's The Bobcast this week. Nobody better than him to kind of weigh that out with on Twitter or on Reddit or, um, oh, Celtics Hub. There we go. I almost blanked. And 
I, you know, Sam, our own Sam Sheehan here at CLNS Radio of the Scorching Shamrocks as well. Love getting into some of that debate with them, but it's always for what price. I don't, right. you know, all the articles say, and I can't know this and you can't know this, but everything says Carmelo's got to have it his own way. And what we still don't know, and it has been a long conversation for Brad Stevens, is what happens when he has to deal with that, you know, that star player who has gotten their way for an extended period of time that then gets traded over here. And I think that's really at the core of the debate about whether or not to build for the future or to gamble for now. And sure, you can do a little bit of both, but you're certainly not going to give up the Nets pick this year. And as we begin to look at some of the players that might be available next year, two very good players at the center position, rangy players, players that the Celtics might very well like to have on their roster. I'm not sure you want to give up those picks to go for somebody that maybe like a Cousins or an Anthony has you pause about whether or not they'll fit into the culture. At the same time, on a reasonable deal with other picks and maybe some players right now on the roster, do you take a gamble? Sure, but it's always about the right package. Is there any package for you? I think you're more open to Cousins than you are, Anthony. Well, yes, I would say that. I, I think, I but I think they're a little bit different in that one Cousins is a growth, is a bit of a growth stock. You know, I mean, you're taking him, you're going to have him for a couple of years. He's young. If you re-sign him, you're going to have him for a while. With Anthony, he's 32. You know, I mean, does he if what he could do, if I could see him coming here and being hooked up to a, you know, really kind of rejuvenating his career, out of getting out of New York, doing something different, if the old dog was willing to learn a, a new trick or two, he could be a dynamite, dynamite score as that power forward in the small ball lineup as as you're kind of closing out the game. I mean, he could be really, really critical as you're kind of doing that. The you get the rebounder and the score. You just don't get the shot blocker necessarily. Yeah, yeah. I, I, right. Well, well. You, you, I don't think you're going to play the shot blocker in, in crunch time. That's the thing. Like I, you can I anyway. Think, no, I agree. Yeah, yeah. So I think the issue to me is with Mello is the money, because by the money, what happens is the money. If you if you get him now, you're not going to have any money this summer. And, would you, and, and to old. me, the argument is, would you rather have Gordon Hayward or would you rather have Carmelo Anthony? And I think every every person, every thinking, right-thinking person would say, I'd rather have Gordon Hayward, you know, or or, or even a chance at yeah, even broken down Blake Griffin just because of age. Well, and, and, and I, I'm totally with that on Blake Griffin. I mean, I'm not sure that the age thing is a factor, but it's definitely broken down is a major factor. It's not worth the gamble. As a matter of fact, the Clippers might have missed out by not making that deal last year. <laughs> they really had an opportunity to begin the rebuild and get some decent picks, and I think Doc missed the boat on that. Um, and I think the Celtics, again, may be sort of the fortunate beneficiary of not making a deal that ultimately would not benefit the franchise. But I will say with the Gordon Hayward, we just saw Evan Turner have a decent performance, which he hasn't really had for the Trailblazers. He's been under scrutiny, but he had a decent performance against the Celtics. There's all, you know, obviously him coming back to town has all the media darlings saying, oh, who do we miss more? Do we miss Jared Sullinger or Evan Turner? He was a Swiss Army knife. He got it done in the late 
late game stages. I think Gordon Hayward would fit in perfectly. The problem is, is there any way that Utah is going to just let him go? And I'm not so sure. I, I think it may be, I think it may be difficult for the Celtics to get him definitely in trade, but most certainly, no, more, more certainly in trade. They've got a shot in the offseason and I think he would be a good fit. But then you have the, the whole Crowder thing. And if you are going to make a run at Gordon Hayward, don't you have to make a couple of moves now just to uh, to shore up some positions and create opportunity? I mean, Jay Crowder is not going to be happy, happy on that bargain contract if all of a sudden he's coming off the bench with Gordon Hayward ahead of him because of an offseason acquisition in the in the offseason. I well, I think here's here's my ideal world thought is that you go out and sign whoever you can, right? Because and then you remake the team around whoever that is. If you're getting someone of Hayward or Blake's ability level or that that kind of tier of player, I'm not saying everybody else is is fungible, but you know I think you go out and you you do what you can. You you draft the best player available in the draft. You try to sign the best player available in in free agency, and then you know then kind of the chips fall from there. Then you know you're probably not going to be able to re-sign Kelly Olynyk. Then you know that you know you may have to go trade you know Crowder, let's say for or Bradley, let's say for a power forward or a center who can who can rebound and block shots and do those things. You know that's to me that's what you're that's the, that's the order of events. The first thing is get the guy you need. It's not like they have to make deals to open up the space. You know what I mean? I think when you have the space, that's all you have to worry about. Just get the space. Then make the big deals around it rather than making deals in advance of things which may or may not happen. I mean, like remember when Miami said, Oh, we're gonna we're gonna draft Shabazz Napier in the draft because he's a guy LeBron likes, and then a week later LeBron goes back to Cleveland. You know, you, you don't want to be in that spot either, you know. So I think I think they'll they'll probably take it as it comes, as opposed to make the deals now. But I do think they can make deals next you know within the next month to shore up that rebounding and defense that don't hurt them long term guys like Bogut and, and and so forth who are you know kind of expiring contracts you trade out a zeller and and maybe that minnesota number two number uh, second round late you know really early second round pick and you get get back a guy like Bogut doesn't make me feel great to give up an early second round pick when guys like Malcolm Brogdon are out there who who could help us um if, if that were, you know, you be in a position to draft players like that this coming year. Yeah, there's no but, opportunity left though <laughs> for that right. to actually happen for so the Celtics. It, they would yeah. have to make some major consolation or uh, consolidating moves. Let me ask you this, okay? So there's three points before next season where the Celtics can make a deal. One's the deadline that we're going through right now, trade season. The other one is draft night. And then, obviously, they can uh, make a free agent splash and then subsequent moves later in the summer leading up to the season. That's where we see that activity. And I want to see where you think that'll fall in line because, as you mentioned, without a scorer, a shot blocker, rebounder, some somebody to help get this defense locked down a little bit more, they probably won't get out of the first round again. Or maybe they will. Maybe they'll get a nice draw and who knows what happens in the second round. But to be able to attract the free agent, they've got to be able to perform in the playoffs. So that makes 
doing something like you just mentioned, even if it's minor and is more of a short-term fix for the woes that are uh, impacting this team right now and to help them better position for the playoffs, how would you rank the likelihood or the necessity of trade of those three? And, you know, I'll just give you mine. I think, I think draft night is probably the most likely trade night. Um, I think you're probably right. Maybe a smaller deal leading up to the deadline and then more of a, all right, let's see what we can do and then fix the roster after free agency or mid free agency sign and trade kind of stuff. I'm going to say draft night, trade deadline and, you know, that free agent off season, uh, as probably the likelihood for the biggest splash in, in that order. Is that kind of how you see it as well? I do, and I think that if if you do get to the third one, then the stakes are a little bit higher in terms of the ability to actually get somebody meaningful. I mean, there are lower. I should say the chances of getting someone meaningful are lower. You know, I think your best bet to get that dynamite, you know, star player, it, it should happen draft night. If it doesn't happen draft night, then then you got to lower your sights. And when I say direct player, I'm talking Paul George, DeMarcus Cousins. I mean, I'm talking about the, the cream of the potential crop. Those are the guys. If if they're not dealt draft night, you know, to Boston, then, okay, then you're looking at Blake. You're looking at free agency. You're looking, you know, it's a different deal with trade. You know, um, it, it, if you're looking at trade beyond that point, you're looking to fill in your roster around what you have. Uh, because you're not going to be able to use the potential one, two, or three top one, two, or three pick, and that's uh, you know that that's a that's a big bargaining chip for them. I mean, that's a huge chip. As now the Nets are five games, <laughs> five games ahead of uh, the second, and they're not going to the get better this off season at no, all. No. There's no way. The only thing the only thing we're running against is the lottery at this point, you know, and the odds of the lottery, and you know we're we're in as good a position as Philly was last year, you know, and they got the number one pick, but that doesn't mean we're going to get the number one pick because Philly was in that position the two years prior and they didn't get there either. So, you know, we have, we have a long way to go, I think, but it was sure would be nice to lottery night to have, to have the number one pick, uh, you know, and have a chance to draft Mark. You know, we're going to fall out of the number one pick, but, you know, it is what it is. It's just like it's guaranteed. But with this draft as deep as it is and another shot at having a top pick next year, it, it, the the value of the pick is as high as it's ever going to be. And what's crazy is there's this element of, all right, well, when they made the deal, they knew the picks were going to be valuable, but they've only gotten more valuable since the trade. I mean, even Danny thought the Nets, or at least he says so publicly. I guess I'll I'll kind of caveat that way. You certainly don't <laughs> want to say, "Oh, I knew they were going to tank," but and he's at least said publicly that he expected the team to be good, and he didn't think that these picks would be a, as high as they are going to be. And it really has. I mean, like you just said, the separation from the Nets. I mean, look at Philly going on a roll, and and you know, I think they were winners of eight of their last ten at one point over the weekend, but. You know, you look at you look at that club and how much they are just in the driver's seat for being so bad and being so bad for so long. Nobody's going to want to go there and try to rebuild that organization. You have got to get a marquee player in the draft to start attracting 
free agents to reshape a franchise. And that there is so much bad PR for the Nets that is not going to happen anytime soon. These two picks are absolute gold. Who thought? Who would have thought that they would have just get, continued to gain value the way that they have? So the question is: is 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 it too much value not to make those picks? I mean, honestly, mm-hmm. are we really going to make a move that is going to put the Celtics over the top by trading one of those picks? I'm just not even sure that the players that are young enough are out there. It may be that the Celtics having those picks, you know, just continues to make them bigger players in free agency and they have to kind of make roster decisions along the way. Yeah. I mean, I think you're, I think that's, that's a fair read of it too, because, you know, we're in a situation where if, if we take those players and they turn out to be stars, who's disappointed about that? You know, I mean, and look at the, look at the response that, that, all of us, a lot of us had draft night to Jalen Brown, right? I mean, we were, <laughs> you know, you were, you were over the moon, but, but, you know, a lot of us were saying, geez, you know, why couldn't we have flipped the third pick? Yeah. And, my moon was you know, in a different night sky. <laughs> yes. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I was looking and saying, I want you to be Butler. I want you to be Butler. Let's, let's do the, the Chris Dunn thing, you know, not thinking that Jalen Brown was anywhere near as ready as he's shown himself to be. I mean, you know, but, and, and now that allows Boston to continue to operate on these two tracks. That is, you know, you get that star if you do get Markel Fultz. And apparently everything I've been reading this week from guys like Fred Fraschilla from ESPN and Jeff Goodman, you can put him in the backcourt with Isaiah. They're, you know, they, Markel's a bit of a bigger guard. He's 6'4. Six three six four. So you know he's not a small guy. He can he can play those positions. It may necessitate moving some guys, but that's an after the fact deal. That's a kind of roster reshuffling situation where you you send out a smart and a Bradley or smart or Bradley to add a spot, you add a player somewhere else on the roster who can help you. Um, Have you watched that, any you of know, the that, trick shots that Markel Fultz hits and practices on YouTube? Filthy. It's filthy. It's insane. I mean, he's like a globetrotter <laughs> yeah. that's made for today's NBA. <laughs> he is. He is. That's a good. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. I mean, he really he's, is. He's know, like I don't think <laughs> Marcus Hayes. That's right. JB. <laughs> that's a little throwback for, for our buddy JB. JB is nodding. He's like, "Yep, guys, that's right." <laughs> no, I I love. I love what Marcus Fultz is doing. Watched a little bit of Lonzo Ball yesterday when UCLA was playing conference game against Arizona. I mean, what do you think of his there... shot form? The form on his shot. What do you think of that? Well, I don't get too worked up about it. If it works, it works. You know. Do you remember Corey I... Brewer? Corey Brewer yep. coming into the league had that elbow out to the side. It's different. It's not the same, but it's unorthodox the way that the elbow is not in alignment with the shot. You know, that whole wasted motion and, you know, it's, it's like this awkward. You would think that they would, they would be off the mark to the left or the right, depending on how that elbow is varying versus having it just in tight and going right up in line. It's, it's a little bit, it is again different, but do you remember Corey Brewer's shot? It doesn't stand out to me directly. No. Oh, dude, his elbow was almost, probably a, a 35, 40 degrees 
out to the side. Lonzo's balls, it's not as exaggerated, but there's still like this awkward positioning with the elbow. I know you don't worry about it because he's a playmaker and he's a tall guard at 6'6", and he has probably better court vision maybe even than Rajon Rondo. We'd obviously have to see it at the pro level to know for sure. And I get all of that, but there is a little bit of a concern for me that I don't want you know Rondo all over again personally, even if it is a better attitude. Yeah, but he's making shots right now. I mean, that's the that's the difference is that Rondo never made shots, you know, before he came here. I mean, what he was there is what he was here generally. Lonzo's making his shots now. He's he's shown himself to, however ugly it is, he's he's start, he's making those he's making threes. He's he's showing himself to be a much more complete player than I think Rondo was certainly in in '06. I what I but. He's he's still further down the list. I mean, to me, there's a gap between him and Fultz. It's Fultz, blah 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 blah, <laughs> ball, and then you know you get into the Dennis Smiths and and uh, you know moving further down the line with uh, you know the guys you know kid from Kansas and, and so forth. It's Fultz is far and away number one. I mean that that guy. They say there's nobody in this draft class who has that kind of top tier you know there's no lebron james in this class well marco fultz is pretty damn good you know i mean i i can remember in the old five draft no one's saying well there's nobody as good as lebron james in this draft well chris paul worked out all right you know i wouldn't mind having chris paul on my team you know it's one of those things yeah like, it okay, won't yeah, be the end of the world if we, yeah it won't be the not- end of the world if we don't get the overall first overall pick but it will certainly be the beginning of you know really some dynamic tandem at the at the Celtics youth for the future sort of movement you're right I think they could definitely see Fultz and Isaiah Thomas play alongside each other and I I can see why they would think that Isaiah works better off the ball anyway and Markel Fultz will need some time to grow into his role the same way they they are enjoying the benefits of Jalen Brown growing into his role and not having to go out on a night in and night out basis and potentially have his ego knocked down multiple tiers. I mean, there's other things to like about Jalen. His shot obviously still needs work, but more so his ability to finish at the rim. Once he figures that out, he's going to be dynamic, I think. And I think it really is finishing at the rim even more than his jump shot. But but you look at the ability to play those two, Markel Fultz and Isaiah Thomas side by side, that would be a luxury. And But then you look at the future and you look at the younger players once they can't pay for all of these guys. You know, maybe it's going to be hard for them to have Smart, Bradley, and Thomas, and Fultz. Like, there's going to be decisions that have to be made around that. And Terry Rozier as well. At the same time, they're good, they're easy decisions to make because you know that if they're not doing this consolidating trade for, you know, talent with some of the young players, you've got. You've got Fultz. You've got Jalen Brown. You still have Marcus Smart. There are so many young players on this roster that should be able to compete for the future. You know what I'd love to... I wish we could flash forward and see how many of these players, Kelly Olenek, etc., are still on this club five years from now. Because they'd all be under the age of 30. We could find ourselves in a situation where like, hey... Here's the here's the all Celtics no here's the all no longer Celtics team from the from the the mid you know 
2010s, you know, 14, 15, 16, and 17. This is what their roster could have looked like. I know we're going to be having that conversation someday. Sure. Too many players coming through this organization right now. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot of guys. And, you know, and, and obviously the team's goals are bigger than <laughs> keeping the individuals and, 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 you know, that whole thing. So it's it's everyone's expendable. Everyone's on the trade block all the time. And they've got an opportunity with the number one pick to to make some decisions based upon based upon that. And will they, you know, take advantage of that? You know, will they or will they try to clean? And we're still waiting for this roster reset. This still hasn't happened. We talk. I talk about it every like three weeks. You know, I keep waiting for them to move one or two of these guards and. You know, move on. I mean, and, and I think for the lowest, most part, we've seen with Bradley out now. We've had extended stretches with one of those three guys, Bradley, Smarter, or, uh, Isaiah. We've had extended stretches with one of those three guys out, and they've, they've, they've been fine. But how would, would they, would the team be that much better if you took one of those out and added, you know, that rebounder and, and defensive kind of anchor, um, to, that's to an unquestionable it. yes. You, you know can't what I mean? Even, yeah. That's such a that's such a fact, and and I'm willing to gamble on Noel as a result. And knowing that he's restricted, it's not like he goes bye bye. And you know Philly could still use a guard. I'm not sure that that deal doesn't wind up getting legs again. Although my sense of it is that, despite the controversy, Philly would still rather trade Okafor than they would Noel. But mm-hmm. I guess that'll have to play out, John. We got to wrap the show, but I want to. I want to do the our predictions for the week ahead real quick, and I want you to know you thought the team was going to go three and zero this week, this past week, you know, because Patrick made your predictions for you, and you have to be accountable oh to that. Oh my gosh, really? I think we Patrick. both went three and zero. I actually think it's a tough week coming up. They got this Come rivalry on. against like. the Wizards on Tuesday night, which I think is going to be a loss. I think the Rockets is a definite loss. I think they're going to go one and two again. I think it gets a little bit worse before. Oh no, we also have the Bucks game on Saturday. <laughs> so I'll say two and two. I think they get the Bucks. I think they get Orlando, but I think they drop two in a row. Well, what will ultimately be a four game losing skid to Washington and the Rockets. We'd love to see them rebound after a couple of days off against the Wizards, but the, you know, the Rockets on the second night of a back to back, uh, and away and home. Even though they are in the garden on Wednesday night, I'm just not sure that they're going to be able to, to beat the Rockets. Rockets are just phenomenal this season. Well, and, and the Wizards have been one of the best home teams in the league. I mean, right up there with, with Golden State and Cleveland. So, And they got a chip I, from the last matchup not too long ago. Yeah, so I... I I share your, uh, I don't know if I'd call it skepticism, but it's probably real. Skepticism. Real. It, I think it's real. I mean, Milwaukee's playing just, uh, you know, out of this world. Um, you know, they, they, I should say Giannis is playing out of this world. The Magic are terrible. They're going to beat the Magic. And then it's the question is, can they salvage one other win this week? Uh, or can they, you know, more than that? I think to, I think, I'm going to go two and two as well. I don't feel great about this week, but I think they're going to bounce back. Uh, I'm going to take Brad Stevens' word when he says that he feels like the defense is starting to find itself again. I hope he's right. Maybe it's wishful thinking, but he's not the one usually to say things that aren't 
what he sees. So I suspect that they're going to be, uh, maybe this is the defense does find itself in time to play, you know, really some of the most dynamic guards in the next two games here on Tuesday and Wednesday going against John Wall, Bradley Beal, and then, of course, potential MVP, James Harden. Well, fingers crossed. We certainly, they have a little bit of time because I think the most important stretch for this team is after the All-Star break and the home stretch to the postseason. Can they stay healthy? Can they get their chemistry together? We'll certainly be keeping a close eye on it. That's going to do it for this week. The broadcast will be available on demand on the CLNS Radio mobile app as well as CLNSRadio.com. Don't forget... Follow us on Twitter. I'm at CSL underscore Justin. John is at CSL underscore Duke. Appreciate everybody tuning in. And you can support the show by subscribing to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to give us a rating and a review. Your feedback is important to us. And a reminder that today's show has been brought to you by Audible.com, BlueApron.com, and ZipRecruiter.com. They have a great deal for all of you listeners. Most importantly, you'd be supporting our show and the entire CLNS Radio Network. Thanks to the loyal audience who's making it all worthwhile for John and I, and for staff writer Samuel Elias, executive producer Larry H. Russell, the founder of CLNS Radio, Nick Gelso, and my co-host, John Duke. I'm Justin Poulin. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Celtic Stuff Live. Celtic Stuff Live.